Are you ready to experience something extraordinary? Cultural gems in Croatia, ancient temples in Asia, art in Italy. We'll take care of everything. Flights, accommodation, excursions, local guides and all that planning. Travel department, let's see more. The team leave the townland. Joseph, goalkeeper, loved maths at school. The village is getting ready for the day. She is pointing a wall. Her professional protective health and safety gear says professional at work. The paving blocks outside the shop are getting an industrial style power wash. Nearby, a young man is blowing the grass that he had cut off the pavement with a blower. She's walking her dog to Loch Nahu. Her T-shirt says, voila. Estate agent is showing someone around a commercial property. Dark suit, plans in his hands. Draymond removing empty barrels and restocking three pubs for the weekend. And two shops are also being restocked. Two hairdressers are open to Cut, style, and have the country ready for the three weddings coming up. The fishman is here. Fresh fish from Killybegs. Two takeaways, not open until later. Bookings already in for the clubhouse and the riverbank. And the long wait, waiting for something to turn up at the hotel at Cheatsers' might be nearly over. Builders are at work there. Holiday apartments are to be developed. Things are looking up. The village has a spring in its step. And this morning, like every morning, they're on their way to work, to a pharma factory, or to the local university, or to the hospital, or to the IT industries. Most to Sligo. Busy lives. Grab and go from the shop. Cyclists training for a forthcoming charity ride for a good cause. Many not commuting since lockdown, happy to work from home. Many walking, some running. The park and playground are a centrepiece for football. Dreams and ambitions for some, getting ready for competition for others. And some, just getting fit. They stopped to talk. He has a lovely new car, and we talk. His eldest daughter, oh, seriously busy as a consultant in Derby Hospital, worried about the NHS, and her daughter, his granddaughter, has recently got a place at Cambridge. Oh, he's rightly proud of both of them. All coming home soon for a holiday. He wants to know from me, how are things in England? He is concerned about the decline he saw reported on the TV. We all know the neighbours who settled in Birmingham and elsewhere. Agreed that the health of the nearest neighbour and the market for this country is critically important. Any downturn in England will obviously doubly affect us. A. Affect trade and B. Our families are over there and we don't want them adversely affected. It's always the safety valve if things go belly up here again. Too many around here still in negative equity, he said, from the last recent crash. 
And then we know who's home from Boston and New York and London. We talk of the earlier exodus of so many. He said someone had the story of a neighbouring townland where 15 left on one day. A team? He said, I should get that story. Michael left half-back. Winning smile. Curly redhead. Enjoyed working on the bog. He was there on the following Saturday in the agreed pub to meet and look at this exodus. A sobering story that must have been well known, but it's waited 60 years to tell. Our common ground, as we sipped pints that night, as well as drummer hair, was working in England. And then, talking about Birmingham, he remembers his time as groundsman at the Blues Ground. Two giant clubs in Birmingham, Villa and Blues. Tribes of followers and territories marked out as claret or blue. There was work all round. Always need clippies, bus conductors. Drivers wanted and the big shout out for the big money on the buildings. Especially at the sharp end, tunnelling or steeplejacks. There at the Blues Ground and near the city is a neighbour. Back then, he was one of the 15. He also left that day. Other neighbours had their base in Fulham, another cluster of neighbours in Croydon, and another in Maida Vale, some in Kilburn, others in Hansworth, lots in Erdington. A group gathered near others, near neighbours, a bit like a home from home. Well, naturally, Liverpool is always a home from home. It's a different second city, an Irish second city. The village and the area is changed. It's changing almost every year. Two big houses, because they were new big houses in the town land, were a local attraction 40 years ago. Now, big houses, magazine-type houses, are commonplace. You have to look carefully now for the older house. In fact, it says a lot that there is an exhibition in Parks's Castle, the local tourist spot, of vernacular houses, traditional local houses, the houses we grew up in. Local styled houses are now of historical interest. Yeah, that tells you something. The ambition and success is proclaimed in this transformed housing landscape. Houses as good as there are anywhere in the country, and not asking Dublin prices. Naturally, they have to be paid for. The new, changed, local world is not just in the new houses, but working in the pharma factories, in the IT industry, in a local university. It means mortgages, two jobs, ambition, paying off the mortgage. Sort of normal, like the rest of the country. Almost a suburban place, but here in the country. Imagine a university ten miles away. John, full back. He wanted outdoor work. A nice singer. Held a tune well. Then their conversation goes back. Goes back to the Leitrim of the 1950s. The census tells the story. From 69,000 in 1901 
to 41,000 in 1951, like the exodus decades before. A well-worn path. They spoke fluent Irish in some American cities because so many from Connemara settled there. The West has a story of leaving to find work. And equally recognisable were the Leitrim accents in Birmingham. So, back to the early 1960s. Look closer. Look at the town land. Here, people met in each other's houses. They stopped and chatted, dallied after shopping in the local shop. There was local chat, the price of cattle, the wedding we recently attended, or an uncle due home from Birmingham for a week. The factories over there closed for a week. The uncle had his pay and holiday pay, and all knew from their own uncles and aunts that they had work and enough left over for a postal order or a note attached to the weekly letter home. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Are you interested in trying a new smartphone but still a little unsure? Do you want a phone that offers larger icons with louder sound and an interface that has technology designed for seniors? Well, why not choose from the Doro range by simply visiting doro.ie. Doro, make friends with innovation. Would John Joe go back with his uncle now that he was nearly 16 and no sign of work around here? Aunts returned, older sisters, lots of nurses came home and the over and back was quietly common. N not celebrated, not in the Leitrim Observer, just take the boat over and maybe send the passage money to pay later for a younger sister or brother to join them as clippies or in hospitals and above all on the buildings. As the song had it, they were building up and tearing England down. The names of their new homes in their new areas were just part of the local vernacular from Digbeth to Sparkbrook and Spark Hill. Familiar names in this part of North Leitrim. We assumed we knew something about their new English town. Enough anyway to say that we, well I at least, supported Blackburn Rovers because two uncles and neighbours were there. Patrick, right full back. Loved engines. Any engine. But this Friday was different. All these lads had gone to school together. Saved hay, got the turf home, played football as a team. In fact, they saw themselves as a team. They knew that their granny could say who was related to who and how they were related a long way back. Patrick, Joseph and John, well, their cousins, cousin, well, their friends. There was music in more than one of their houses. There was a marching band locally in living memory, and some of those instruments are still in the houses. Little fifes from the marching band days, replaced now with fiddles and flutes. Oh, lots of these lads, lads tried their hand at the accordion. Seamus, forward, good with both feet, hoped to go to night school, he saw a future for himself in accountancy. 
The local mines in Erigna were an option for a few. Some, but there wasn't much work there, only for a few. The few who worked there cycled across the hills over the bog road to the mines. A few others were installing the poles for the rural electrification scheme to transform the country. Early up and off to a very early start to a well-paid, secure job. Few had these. There was no industry locally apart from a small button factory in Manor Hamilton, employing a few and in decline, maybe terminal. And the most recent cruel blow was the closing of the railway line. Farming yield was only half that of the better off east and south. Farms too small to be split between sons and daughters, so likely to go to only one of the family. So what were the rest of the brothers and sisters to do? The hotel in the village and the local shops had work for some, but only for some. The picture was grim, simply not enough employment. Someone said that the writing was in block capitals on the wall when the blacksmith in the village died and that even that business ended. Opportunities were getting even more scarce. Mel, defender or forward, a planner. He planned to become a businessman at whatever made a profit. Selling cars, maybe. What they heard and knew about Birmingham sounded so different. Many had work in the car factories, and for every job in the car factory, there were 20 more in allied trades supplying the car industries. We had neighbours working in battery making, the auto-electric industry, armaments industry, and so on. And when the wages were compared, it was clear that the factory worker in Birmingham had better pay than the farm worker here in Leitrim. The case was made. The case was convincing. More work, different work, better pay, overtime to pay for extras, including holidays, and save for a home, then an occupational pension. Driving buses allowed many to get to know the city and its people intimately. But, and there was a but, you had to leave. Leave family, neighbours, friends, and leave behind the girl you were fond of and she equally fond of you, and leave a rural way of life for an urban English Midland city. Leave the townland for Birmingham. The word was beginning to get out that there were a few going to get the boat. The few names became five, and then seven, and at that a sort of worry began that this leaving was going to be significant. Some of the boys had just left school. They were all playing minor, some under 16 football. Few had expected that five or more would go, and, and them so young, and leave and leave together. Albert, defender, a fiddler, oh, he was at ease among musicians, already knew, or as they say had, loads of tunes. One wanted to see the football matches and footballers he had heard about. He loved listening to stories about match day and the away games from the few men locally who had seen Manchester United and the stylish West Ham. This ambition was shared by a few others, if not as intensely. 
Another wanted to see and hear some of the bands who were in the charts. Some of the returning girls said that they had seen some of the emerging stars. To have money was their common goal. They would enjoy the crack that the new money gave them. The two lads who were playing in the local Cayley band thought that they would find out where they could play in Birmingham. They had heard of sessions in Hansworth. They would try there the weekend after their first pay. A big pull for one of the lads was the opportunities the car city might have for him. He was mad about any engine and loved nothing more than trying to help to get an old tractor or car engine working. And they all heard of the weekend and midweek dances. Yeah, midweek. Soon they would be earning, going to matches, listening to bands, playing in sessions and dancing. There was only one topic in the townland, how many were going to go this time. Soon enough, they knew the five definite names and then the likely seven and a few times even ten names were mentioned. Hay was saved, turf taken home from the bog and still the wonder grew that plans were being hatched for five or more boys to leave. The house dance was a common event. It just happened without any significant event to celebrate. Just play a few tunes and dance a few sets in the house, all around the house and mind the dresser. Over the chat and the tunes, it became, ob became obvious that this was no longer a rumour, but a fairly well-planned leaving by what now seemed two groups of five or even more from the townland. The worry was that this number would increase if a few cousins or friends of theirs were encouraged to leave also. Anthony could play any position. A fiddler. All those in the know said he had a natural musical gift. The shop by the school was the meeting place. People met in one of the churches on Sunday and they chatted afterwards. But they met most days in the shop or en route to the shop. The boys had their plans examined and replayed to ensure that these were secure plans. Now, fairly common that a group, at least 10, maybe 12, were leaving and leaving on Friday. Oh, buy more sliced pan bread for, and ham for sandwiches. It'd be a long journey. Get a few bottles of porter and whiskey for a farewell and write letters to sisters and brothers, aunts and uncles in England to ask for their welcome, their support when the young lads arrive the following Saturday. Ask them to be at the station in Birmingham at 4am when the Hollyhead train pulls in. Make sure to ensure the start is a clippy or a barman or in Dudley Road Hospital, or the worst scenario would be to arrive without promise or prospect of work and accommodation in a strange city. Kevin, defender, dreamed of becoming a boxer maybe, then home to their own thoughts. The last suitcase was used when his sister left and hasn't been back since. Could they afford another one? Her youngest son was too young to be gone. He, 14, was young. And even though he was a strong lad, he was well used to helping around the family farm. 
He loved singing. She'd missed that. Another just got busy with the sandwiches, some for the leaving do and the rest for the train and the boat journey. A common thread to their thoughts was that the boys might not settle and once homesick for home they would return, only to leave again later. Others hoped for the long-promised improvement in the Irish and the local economy. Wishful thinking. But everyone needed to hope to cope. Another son off to take the boat. Some despaired that soon no one would be left. They had all seen this leaving, this lure to the second English city. But leaving was usually a family affair. It was usually just in ones or twos, maybe going back with an aunt or an uncle. Now a whole team was leaving. Hardly a family not affected. And if this was to become a pattern, say up to 20 every year, two lots of 10, then soon, very soon, only the old and the children would be left, if even that. Oh yes, other townlands had emptied, all gone, planted. It was as if a pension fund manager who managed plantation funds in the city of London was lurking to buy the vacant farms of the leavers. Sitka Spruce, the new occupant, the new plantations. Martin, sometimes the keeper, usually a defender, thought he'd like the hotel trade, thought he had the personality for the public. Life carried on. A cow was rambling. The AI from Sligo was needed to service the cow. The farmer who owned the rambling cow cycled to the village. He was anxious. He insisted on getting someone to help him to use the kiosk. He had the phone number and the message, there's a cow mad a bullen, come soon. Address given. Relieved, he headed home to the townland. The AI man arrived later. He stayed after his work to catch up with his cousins locally. He was told the news of the 15 leaving and he was reassuring to his worried cousins. Birmingham had been his home for years. He enjoyed it. He talked about the wider area of Walsall, the Black Country and Wolverhampton. He gave addresses of friends of his, a subby, a publican and a hotel owner who would help them when they arrived. Well, these addresses were gratefully received. William, Defender, thought of moving on from Birmingham, maybe to America. He was ambitious, wanted success. The days before, oh, one long goodbye. Their names were now on everyone's lips and the 10 was now a firm 15, a whole team. The rituals were a comfort. Tea, soda bread, curtain tea cake in every house as the lads called in to say goodbye. They were given advice about the city from the older men who had been there years ago. They were encouraged to stick together, to write home and be sure to come home next year for a week in a shiny new suit, added one. One advice to adopt a team to support the villa or the blues and you would fit in, you'd begin to belong more quickly. The wealth of others' previous experience in Birmingham was shared. 
where to go for the best dances, the best sessions were identified, and always advice about work. Go and see a ganger originally from this parish. Get the start. Leitrim and Galore on the buses. Their names and their drinking clubs shared with the young leavers. Different advice from a neighbour who had retired from the car industry. He encouraged them to go for the car trade, for a pension, join the union. If possible, go to night school. They listened. That all helped, they felt. Tom, stylish midfielder, wondered if he could also play soccer or maybe golf. A final farewell at the house dance on Thursday. Flutes and fiddles, set dances and drink for all, even the young 14-year-old. Sure, if he was old enough to leave, surely a drink wouldn't hurt. The night became morning. Tears, sets, food and drink. Advice? Now mind the three-card tricksters. Don't get in with bad company. Mass on Sunday and write. Won't be long. You won't know yourselves and you'll soon be home. Above all, stay with each other. Look after each other. The older ones, now 16 and 17, were instructed to look after the younger ones. The shop was empty. It might as well have closed because everyone, mammies, daddies, children, were on the road to wave goodbye, to press some notes into their fists, to hug and kiss. They were putting a brave face on their heartbreak. Ah, we wouldn't mind just two or even three of them, but fifteen, a whole team, all gone, lawn and board, the full boat. Everyone felt the same, at a loss their son or cousin or nephew or neighbour, all leaving in almost military drill, leaving. Someone shouted out one of their names, followed by another. Then each one, all 15 names, as if leaving their name hanging in the air would add to their presence, still here among them. Going, but not gone yet. Coming back soon was the promise. John, Patrick, Michael, Martin. Seamus, they were the older lads. Then Kevin, Joseph, Mel, Anthony, William, they were all 16. JJ, Tom, Benny, Hugh and Albert, they were either 14 or maybe 15. Hugh, he was natural with both feet. Wondered if his singing was good enough to get into a band. After a day's work, of course. But they all knew that they were all friends of each other's families and everyone knew that the girls watching were deeply affected, all their friends leaving, and some were very fond of some of these lads. Mutual strong feelings. Many felt that they wouldn't want to be here in the townland without them and that they too were thinking of joining them in Birmingham. And as that next group ready to leave, their parents and grandparents worried that 30 might be gone before the end of the year if 15 girls were tempted to get the boat also. The school was the final venue. The last goodbyes were here outside their school. Everyone knew that if their talents could be developed locally into good local jobs then things would have been so different. It didn't matter that they were told in school of their talents. There was no free secondary education not for another two years. 
and no one could foresee it coming. There was no work, well almost none. None, they felt. Logic dictated that they leave. But it was hard to be logical at the school gate that day as the team were leaving. Best suits, smart looking, all oh, the cream of the area and the apple of their mother's eyes. Benny, forward, good around the farm, able to be left alone to help a cow calving at 13. They had gone in groups of three or four to the shop to get fitted out to be smart. One lad was trying on a jacket. He felt it didn't fit. The shopkeeper was persuasive and maybe too anxious for a sale, said, Ah, if it doesn't fit you, it'll fit your father. Fitted and ready, they left the shop. They didn't want to let the side down when they arrived in the second city. They had said goodbye on their individual tour of the townland, said goodbye again at the house dances, the American wake, and said a final goodbye on the lanes. And now a final, final group goodbye. All crying by now, brave face gone. All tinged with worry that the girls would also go, and soon. JJ, he played midfield. He thought about buying houses, doing them up and selling them on for a profit. He had plans. There were two journeys that morning. One, the team, to the train station in the minibus that used to take them to matches, to Colony. The other, their families, went back home to their homes in the townland. Both travelled in silence. What could you say? On will phone poke a new wet, on will knappy no fum nis orge wet, nis eskalehusod, faker na phone in tokatal gwin, on cho, egg doro, on phone clishta is dany, gidi gohon la hai glina, agus taskina, ta rod egen, gogoktina, ta nismo olis, egg, doro, dot com.